This is a Dalina University production. Welcome to Arabic 1 and grammar lesson number 13. Today we're going to talk about the future, um, a case and something called idafa construction. We, when we talked about the verbs for the first time, we said that there are only two forms of the verbs in Arabic. We only have the past and the present tense. Okay? And that's true. Those are the only two forms that the verb will appear in. Okay? So the two forms that you've already learned now, past and present, can be used to form other tenses in Arabic. Now, the imperfect or the present tense can be used uh, to refer to the future as well. If you use it together with uh, a timer marker like tomorrow, next week, on Friday, etc. So if you say ana aktubu, the person listening to you will understand that you're writing right now. Um, if you, on the other hand, say aktubu arisalata ghadan, the person will understand that well, she or he will write the letter tomorrow. So what you're saying is, I will write the letter tomorrow. Same thing if you say, you're going to the party. But if you add, for example, on Friday, you will go to a party on Friday. How? And we have some more examples here. I will go to university tomorrow. Usafir bada ghadin. I will try travel on the day after tomorrow. Azur ummi ashahr al qadim. I will visit my mother next month. Azur akhi asanata al qadimata. I will visit my brother next year. But to make sure that everyone knows that you're actually talking about the future, to avoid any kind of ambiguity. You can add a scene, the letter scene, in front of the verb, or you can add saufa, the little word saufa, in front of the verb in the present tense, and that will show explicitly that you're talking about the future. So, just like we said now, yes, sorry, if you say yes, it means he sits or he is sitting. But if you say sa yes, he will sit. Naktubu, we write, we are writing. Sofa naktubu, we are going to write or we will write later. And with seen and sofa, you don't need to have a time marker because unless you want to be specific that this thing is going to happen on a certain day or date or time um, or month in the future. But they will by themselves refer to the future, so you don't need them for that case. Um, if we look at these um, examples here, we have يذهب أحمد إلى البيت Ahmad is going to the house. Fine, or he's going home. Now, if we want to say, if we want to move this sentence or this type of a sentence to the future, we've got three options now. We can either specify when he's doing this. So, يذهب أحمد إلى إلى المدرسة الأسبوع القادم so he will go to school next week. The verb is still the same, but we've added a time marker. Or we could say, 
سيذهب أحمد إلى الفندق. So we know that he will go or he is going to go to the hotel. We don't know when though, but it's going. It's not now. It's in the future sometime. Now the future could be after five minutes or ten minutes, but it's still not right now. سوف يذهب أحمد إلى الفندق. Ahmad will go to the hotel again and again we don't know when it's going to happen but we know it's in the future. Um, the difference between seen and sofa is that seen is often used for the close present, things that are going to happen right now or after 5-10 minutes, an hour or so. Whereas sofa is used for things that are going to happen um, further away in the future, next year, in 10 years time, when you grow up, when you get old, etc. But as you can see, neither of them, nor seen, nor, nor um, sofa, changes the verb at all. It stays the same, just like it is. So once you've learned the forms of the verb in the present tense, or the imperfect, a'mal, um, ta'mal, ta'malina, etc., you can make it into the pres future without any problems. The next topic we have today is something called an idafa. In an idafa is a construction where something owns something else. It can also be called the genitive construction. Um, we've seen this a lot in texts but we haven't really reflected over what it is yet. And we're not going to go deep into this subject today, we're just um, going to have a quick look and then in Arabic 2 or 3, no, in Arabic 2, we're going to discuss idafas more in detail. What we've seen in text are things like Beit Ahmad, Ahmad's house, Ghurfat al-Julus, the sitting room, Siyarat al-Bint, the girl's car, and Qaninat al-Halib, a bottle of milk. If we look at these things, we see that the first word is always, always uh, without al and without a suffix pronoun. And that's because it's defined by the second word. Okay? And if you think about it, it's the same idea when you speak English, for example. You don't say um, Ahmad's the house or Ahmad's his house, you don't. You just say Ahmad's house and by from Ahmad you know which house you're talking about. Okay? So the first word cannot is defined by the second word of the Adafa and it cannot be defined by anything else. Got some more examples here. Kitab Atalib Al Yabani Ala Atawila. في غرفة النوم خسانة ملابس. Um, the first sentence means the Lebanese student's book is on the table. Second sentence means in the bedroom or the room of sleeping, if you want to be exact, there is a closet or a cupboard of four clothes. سرير أختي كبير بيوت المدينة قديمة. My sister's bed is big and the houses of the city are old. So from these sentences you can see that the this idafa construction can be translated in different ways. 
It can be used as the normal genitive in English, the student's book, or my sister's bed, or it can be translated with an off construction, like the house is off the city, or it can also be a compound noun, like a sleeping room, bedroom, or closet, or cupboard for clothes, etc. Right? Now, the second thing that's important to notice here is that um, we know when we speak or when we talk and we don't use the vowels, feminine words usually just end in a, right? We say khasana, uh, we say gurfa, etc. Just an a sound at the end. However, when these words are used in idafas and you put them together, so they become these compound nouns one word with two parts, you pronounce the T and the Tamar Bota. So you will say Fi malabis. So you can hear the T. And that's done uh, even in the dialect, so it's not just for standard Arabic. Um, we've talked before about the when a damma is used at the end of a word and when a kesra is used at the end of a word. Damma, a U vowel, we use when nothing has affected the word at all. Nothing at all, there are no prepositions, for example. Kesra, on the other hand, is used to show that there is a preposition before the word. Fi beitin, for example. Ala tawilati, and so on. Today we're going to have a look at one of the usages of a, of a fatha at the end. And it's one thing it's used for is to mark the object in a sentence. And just like we've seen with you and I, they can be, when they're single, there's just a little, uh, we say, bait, um, sorry, we say albeitu, and we say albeiti. Same thing for a, we just say albeita. And when they're double, we can hear an N at the end as well. So we say Beitun, Beitin, Beitan. The thing to notice here that the double A, Tanween Fatha, in most cases has to be carried by an Aleph. So if you look at the example at the end, you can see there's an Aleph carrying the double Fatha, the Tanween Fatha. We have some examples here. Uh, both in uh, definite and indefinite words. So, the boy wrote a letter. And if you look at this example, you see that tamarbuta is strong enough to carry this tanween fata, this double fata, on its own. Um, the boy wrote a letter. So, in both sentences, the object is marked with the A case. Ishtara Ahmadu Baitan Ahmad bought a house and here we can see that the as in most cases the letter T is not strong enough to carry the Tanween Fata so we add Alif to carry uh, to hold it up. Ishtara Ahmadu Al Baita Ahmad bought the house. Shahada Muhammadun Tiflan Muhammad saw a child. Same again, L cannot carry the double fata and needs the Alif to help. And Shahada Muhammadun Atifla. Muhammad saw the child.